This is Beyond the Bell Tower, where an elite group of North Carolina State University students give us a behind-the-scenes look at their steps to success and show us how they attain even their lofty goals. These students, who are in the top 10% of the country, are active in student support services at NC State, a nationally recognized program designed to provide support for low-income, first-generation college students. Nationally, this population has an 11% graduation rate within six years. The student support services students surpass that rate each year and go on to become doctors, dentists, accountants, and engineers. They work at Google, Apple, and the NCAA. They have earned PhDs in Ivy League colleges. These students go well beyond the bell tower to reach this level of success. This is Sarah Wright, and we are recording another episode of Beyond the Bell Tower. I was lucky enough to convince Wade Moore Extraordinaire to take an hour to actually sit down in one place to speak with us. Wade is a College of Engineering student, and currently, are you currently a graduate student, or you're about to um, use the graduate Go so to graduate school. It's a little weird. Uh, well, thank you for having me on. Yeah, I'm more than happy to be here with you. Um, but yeah, I get that question a few times, actually. It's hard to answer. I mean, I'll graduate this May with my undergraduate degree. And then next, the following year, I'll graduate with a master's degree. But that does entail me taking a couple grad courses now. Oh, okay. Okay. And the thing that um, makes Wade more extraordinaire, one, is the undergrad and graduate degree. Is that within five academic years, not taking into account your co-op years? Well, I mean, with co-op, it will still be like all within five years. Wow. Again, so we're talking high achiever. But the other thing I just found out is that Wade has his own, um, what would you say? You don't have a full album. You just have tracks. Oh, (laughs) speaking of my music interests. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I've dabbled. (laughs) Yeah. So Wade has uh, dabbled as a rapper, which (laughs) we will, I'm sure he'll have high quality sound on this recording. He won't have any, uh, Nervous hiccups. No, no freestyles in this podcast. Sorry. <laughs> oh, so we'll have to have that next one. We'll have to have a talent show episode where you get to see us or uh, we get to hear what you do. Um, so what do you want everybody to know about you before we get started? Um, you know, I, I feel like a pretty typical college student as for the most part. But yeah, I'm a senior right now in NC State. Been here all four years and Originally from Concord, North Carolina, right outside of Charlotte, where I grew up pretty much most of my life with just my mom and three younger siblings who are all two years apart, making their way into college as they go. And yeah, I've been active on state's campus with some student organizations. Intramural sports is my favorite. And yeah, definitely spending a lot of time uh, working towards a computer science degree and career. Great, 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 great. And as you listen to Wade, try not to compare yourself to Wade, because I've never known anybody who is always moving like you are and always smiling. I'm not. If you've had bad days, you've never showed it. Well, if anything, that's why I'm you know, glad to really kind of sit down and kind of publicly speak, because it's you don't always have the time to kind of talk about the downs. Um You know, I'm certainly grateful for all the ups, but by all means, I'm nowhere close to perfect. I hope to prove that to you all in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think like because you've been 
successful in so many different areas with like the leadership you just mentioned, the academics, career, you've done the co-op, you're even currently working um, during break at one of your co-op sites. Is that, did yeah. they hire you on? Uh, so I've, I've been co-oping with Oracle, a software company in RTP for, I think I started last January as a full-time rotation. And when I returned to school in August, I've just continued with them part-time and I'll continue to do that next semester and just kind of transition into full-time once I can in the summer. Right. So he's doing all that and then you're constantly networking. I meet a lot of people, and sometimes I have a bad habit of not being able to shut up, so <laughs> I get into a lot of conversations. But that's the key, though, is because um, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. And that's the thing is that you've made it happen that a lot of people, and especially influential people, know who you are. Very true quote, as made famous by Sarah Wright. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not a quote. I stole it from somebody. And then are you in the Pack Promise program also? Yeah, and that's that's really what uh, got me introduced into the TRIO program. Um, I'm actually not a first-generation college student. Um, You know, some some of my family members were lucky enough to have some decent college careers, um, but it's just kind of been the financial situation that has helped me relate with all of the trio students and anyone in that kind of kind of category. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's the piece is that that is a downfall or not a it's a challenge, but not a downfall. And don't you think that actually has contributed to your um, focus on financial management, financial invest investing? Oh, oh certainly. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, at this point, I look at kind of my family's financial situation as nothing less than an advantage um, because I've been able to overcome maybe any of the obstacles which have really made it a disadvantage. It's just now enjoying the perks of it. And what I mean by that is like kind of a, you know, certainly an untapped motivation. You know, it's that's probably one of the biggest things that factors into my success is knowing that I'm working for my family and to not just impress my parents because I've already exceeded their expectations. Now it's just for me. And, you know, that kind of mindset helps move you forward even when things are tough. So, yeah, a lot a lot of those family challenges have, you know, mentally prepared me for those that came upon me in college. And, you know, certainly the financial assistance that NC State is able to provide, you know, it, it kind of helps you too because you're not always so concerned with maybe the crippling debt that others have, you know, you know, you have programs like Trio to, to keep you supported. Mm -hmm. So we are in this hour, we are going to talk about um, all of those different topics. So, you know, first time listen through, just pick one or two things to focus on that Wade's sharing that uh, we in no way think you should try to become Wade <laughs> after just listening. I don't know if you um, want to. to. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll see. Um, so how did you decide to come to NC State? So, uh, well, I did know I wanted to do computer science uh, kind of in my junior year. Uh, quite simply, it's just a combination of, 
I like technology and math and quite honestly in that time of my life I was pretty focused on making a much better financial situation than the one I was in so that was certainly a factor but you know now that isn't but also uh, coming to NC State you know I was just applying to colleges and when NC State accepted me into the first year engineering program with uh, some impressive financial assistance it was a pretty easy choice for me and then how was your first year like transitioning here because that's one of the um one of the things that's known about engineering is that it having a reputation of being extremely selective and challenging so how did you make that jump from high school to college uh to be honest you know like I just kind of went with it. I uh, didn't think too much on it. You know, with one thing, you know, aside from financial matters, my mom isn't the most literate in all of the sort of administrative stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So, you know, the college application process, I figured out on my own. And it wasn't until I heard friends later saying that they were deferred from engineering and then accepted into first year, did I go look back at my application and kind of realize that, oh, that's, I guess that's different. Uh, I was just like, yes, I'm in the state and <laughs> moving on from there. So it's kind of an accident that I even applied for that program. I just knew I wanted computer science. Mm-hmm. And then what um, has been the best thing that you've done or opportunity that you've taken advantage of to make you so successful academically? <sighs> that's, man, it's kind of tough with NC yeah. State, but uh I, I would also honestly say, uh, you know, with within NC State specifically, being able to join the student organization that I am a part of in computer science department, uh, it's a long name, it's the Association of Computing Machinery slash the Association of Information Technology Professionals. In brief, it's two national organizations kind of represented by a joint body at NC State, but you know, I speak to that because that really gave me an opportunity to become more involved with the faculty and staff of my department, uh, of being able to self-organize events on campus and kind of network with other students, you know, on the other end of the spectrum. And, you know, it feels good to give back, but also it, it does build skills in respect to leadership or just self-management. Um, well, I- I guess that's the thing is, would you recommend a student to make the sacrifice to attend those organization meetings because everybody gets so busy and especially with the coursework, they want to spend as much time studying as possible. And so it's like weighing that. Should I study or should I attend these organization meetings? Yeah, um, well, definitely. Certainly anyone and everyone should be a part of maybe some type of student organization. Uh, I would encourage you to get involved with one maybe in your department or not necessarily in your department, but one you can be passionate with. Um, With ACM slash AITP, we provide tech talks to students and try to enlighten them on concepts or technologies that they won't find in their curriculum. And you know, having had some work experience already, I, I can firsthand say that there is a lot out there that's not going to be introduced to you before you graduate. It's kind of on your own terms to go out there and learn about it. You know, that's different for different programs. Obviously, computer science is a fast moving field, but in general, just kind of getting a glimpse of what's outside the campus 
you know, through a student organization is what I found to be most helpful. And I, I was passionate to provide that to other students. So, you know, finding that organization, which you're really motivated to contribute to, will help you find the time and kind of push through that and the coursework. But I'd also say, too, you know, again, it's it's time management. Uh, you know, the best quote a friend of mine named Gautam Subamarian uh, told me was, uh, he's like, I can have four hours to do a homework assignment and I'll take four hours to do it. And if you gave me that same homework assignment and said it was due in two hours, I'd somehow get it done in two hours and it'd be just as good, if anything. Um, and it's just kind of that, you know, mental aspect of taking your time when you know you can and then cramming it all in when you have to. And why I bring that up because if you can kind of teach yourself to have the discipline to stay that 100% all the time, you can really, uh, you can definitely make time for all of the above. And that's the the key thing, especially that I notice about you that you never stop going, is like, how do you sustain that hard work? Like, how do you sustain that 100 percent because I know a lot of students a lot of human beings actually you know struggle with that of um burnout yeah no I I hear that from time to time and you know and the one the good answer I'll say is you know my grandpa always tells me keep my eyes on the prize and so it's again it's tying back to what's really your motivation and I'd say you need to find a very meaningful uh, something very meaningful to motivate you. Uh, a college degree or a certain GPA or you certainly a salary of some sort, I, I don't believe those will be long-lasting motivators for you. And when things get really tough, you'll, you'll say, oh, I'd be fine with a GPA slightly lower or I'm going to get the degree anyway. But, you know, working towards building something for your family or for yourself, you know, creating a life you didn't think you'd ever have, Um, I feel like you don't focus on what little things will make or break that. Uh, when you have these kind of big goals, it's just kind of all for it. You know, you have to go, you have to go a hundred percent. And instead of reasoning how you can work a little less and still achieve that goal, you can just power through. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you manage stress? Like, how do you prevent from getting burned out? Yeah. And I, you know, and it's in the, not as good and you know the not as textbook answer is you know i have my struggles too yeah Yeah, well i say and i'm i'm certainly a college student i have my uh forms of leisure and not everything is as productive as another but um stress i think it's just the mentality thing um and that's easier said than done i i have siblings who uh kind of struggle with anxiety and stress my i have family members like my mom who take medication for it so you know, I know not to say just think about it differently, but, you know, there is some truth to that. And, you know, maybe if just hearing it from me personally, you know, there's good stress and bad stress and it's not your goal to get rid of stress, but rather to delegate stress appropriately. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that goes back to what your friend advised you. More time on one thing isn't necessarily making you more effective or more successful. And the other piece, too, of that is the mindset. So as you're doing work, focus on doing work in a positive way. And when you're relieving stress, relieve stress. Mm-hmm. So you're not constantly worrying about schoolwork. 
Because how much do you think worrying has actually benefited you academically? Yeah, you got to be practical about it or very kind of conscious of the reality. And so, you know, I'm an eternal optimist, uh, an optimist till proven wrong. But that doesn't mean I'm not prepared for the worst. You know, if I'm waiting on a test grade, it's just the reality of it. No matter how much I stress about it, I can't change that result. So I might as well be optimistic about it until I'm proven wrong. And if it so comes that I got a bad grade and I need to make some changes to my studying or the rest of my semester, those are things that I will address when necessary. Um, The Friday night, you know, had I taken a test that Friday morning, that's not the time you're going to find me worrying about the test. You know, it's it's been taken. Put it to bed. Enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Because that's the thing is more worrying actually hurts you. You know, it's like when there's a certain amount of stress and anxiety that motivates you. Then when you kind of supersede that, you know, go beyond that, then it is negatively affecting you because then how are you going to actually manage your stress and not be burned out if you never stop worrying about it? Yeah. that Like you're able to turn it off on a Friday night. Yeah. I I think you need to be careful about what forms of stress you let into your life. And that's not necessarily just the stress that you think of, but what other people can impose on you. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it, I'm sometimes dealing with some big things at work, with school, and in my mind, these are what's most important to me. And as an example, I'll have a group project in like a 200-level GEP class, which I know is going to go well, and it's you know kind of easy A kind of course. And sometimes you have group members really trying to make it difficult. You know, they just maybe their stress load doesn't match yours. So, you know, I can't ever say, hey. Believe me, I got way bigger things to stress about. I can't I can't put all my stress onto this one assignment. But, you know, try to work with your teammates if it is a team kind of project. But in general, you know, sometimes people will find situations more stressful than others. And it's up to you to decide how much you're going to be stressed. Mm-hmm. Now, what's been the toughest thing for you to overcome since being here? I figured that question was coming and (laughs) I knew the answer immediately and I've only thought the same thing since uh, myself by far and wide. Um, You know, I maybe that's a good mindset, but at the same time, it's very, very true. You know, I I feel like I can trace all of my failures back to decisions I consciously made. Um, So it's really just improving yourself over time, you know, accepting failure, you learn with it and using those learning experiences to be better in the future. But yeah, you know, sometimes I can't help but make bad decisions, but it's it's definitely on well, you. They, right, cuz they're only bad in retrospect. You know, you probably were doing the best that you could with the information that you had. Yeah, and that's and very then, true. Yeah. I accept those, but at the same time, I know when I've uh kind of put myself back thinking I could get away with something or maybe it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. But for me, being able to trace back failures to myself always leaves opportunity to prevent them or Mm -hmm. be better. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. just in general, I, I don't feel you should blame anything else for something because you really are in control of your life. Mm -hmm. And what, um, how has like asking for help or relying on others 
worked for you? Because it seems that you're very independent, self-reliant. Yeah. So how have you know how have others contributed to your success? Um if know, that's true. Oh goodness, yes. <laughs> oh, by by far and wide. Um certainly wouldn't be here with a lot of the help from those around me. Uh, I do sometimes can be stubborn with asking for or accepting help. You know, it kind of comes from the mindset growing up where, you know, if I had to, I really couldn't even depend on my mom to do certain things. So it was kind of go out there and do it yourself if you want it done. Um, So I very much value my independence. But, you know, as I get more into the workforce and kind of as you grow out of this dorm life, me, 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 college grades, lifestyle, you kind of realize you need to be interdependent and work working with others is inevitable. So, you know, in general, it's it's a good idea. It's a great thing to be able to ask for help when appropriate. And, you know, on State's campus, the faculty advisors um, have all been a huge help to me in doing so. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to Wade, um, with regard to asking for help. And we can edit this out if you're uncomfortable with it. But I remember the first time that I worked directly with you was when um, we were donating the household items and furniture. And you had asked for a mattress. Yeah. You know, for your apartment. One, I was impressed because one, you're saying I need something. And a lot of times people are embarrassed to say, you know, or ask that they need something. But then two, that I think obviously helped you out financially because mattresses are extremely expensive. So um, how was that for you about? I still sleep on it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Did last night. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and that's, you know, Trio has definitely been one of the greatest helps to me. And that's a whole different category, I feel, because, you know, when you're asking for academic help, that's kind of tutors or advisors. What classes should I take? How do I finish this homework? That's a different realm. You know, there's lots of resources for that. But when you're moving into an apartment for the first time, and, you know, the reason I really did so is because it's a lot cheaper than living in the dorm, depending on where you go. Uh, you know, you kind of get put into a situation where maybe it's not furnished and I'm coming back from an internship and I literally have three days before classes start to move in and get set up. You know, that is a stressful situation in of itself, but the fact that I didn't have to worry about getting a mattress or dresser, uh, critical components to kind of living in a room, uh, you know, Trio supplied all of that and helped me get it to my apartment. And, you know, a lot a lot of things that would have been a stressor for me at the beginning of the semester, but didn't have to deal with. Yeah. And I think that's the thing why I bring it up is that we really want students to know that we don't just cover academics, that one of the probably most critical roles of your academic success at NC State and graduating is the personal stuff. You know, do you have the appropriate things at home, you know, so that you can be comfortable and get your work done um, in addition to how you save money? Because money is a critical piece and getting all that you can get for free is best. But a lot of times there's that stigma of, again, like asking for help and then getting things, you know, for free. 
Do you yeah. ever feel the stigma or? Yeah, uh, I create it myself sometimes. I say, and I, I can be stubborn with help, but at the same time, I recognize how to take an advantage. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, if anything, sometimes I, my biggest worry is I feel guilty, you know, being that I've kind of been able to use these advantages to really propel me forward. You know, I'm start. you know, at some point I start to think like, I'm not even sure if I need this advantage, but, uh, but so sometimes if it's right, still take it because it will only push you farther forward or help you get there faster. Uh, very rarely or on special occasions do I feel it's appropriate to deny help because you really feel you don't need it. I mean, I would w always want to save resources for those who need it more than me. It's why I didn't do the pack to pack program this year. But, you know, the previous year I did kind of need it. I mean, I may have gotten my own mattress or dresser, you know, I could have lived without, but the fact that I used the advantage that was available to me, uh, made everything a whole lot better for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and we're happy for that. <laughs> we're glad that was the purpose. Um, into the financial piece of, you know, like being able to afford all these other things that aren't necessarily included in financial aid, you know, financial aid covers tuition and housing, but not necessarily furniture and household items, et cetera. So was that one of the the factors that helped you decide whether to do a co-op or not? Oh, yeah. Financially, I think at one point became the backbone of why I needed to kind of pursue a co-op. Uh, I'd actually already had an internship in the summer, and that was extremely helpful for my academic career and kind of understanding the workforce I was about to enter. But doing, an in, doing a small internship per summer doesn't bring as much value as, say, like a six-month full-time rotation does. And there came a point where I knew that I was going to have to pay for grad school and that living on my own brought a whole bunch of new expenses that I knew I'd have to be responsible for. And during school, that is great, you know, because that financial assistance kind of, you know, it does keep you pretty comfortable during that semester. But breaks or the summer, you know, you have to take care of yourself. And given my situation, I, I know for a fact, you know, at this point, now that I'm doing well enough, I send my mother, you know, a couple hundred bucks per month, you know, to help out with things. So there was never that kind of backup plan. If I got in a car accident or something happened and I needed to front a couple thousand dollars, I mean, that just wouldn't happen uh, per se. I'd have to start digging deep in the family relatives <laughs> or get a loan. So it's it was necessary for me to not only pay for what I've got going on right now, but try to stash some away just in case something bad happens. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can you give us a background or kind of the 101 of a co-op, like how you go through the application process yeah. and all of that stuff? Um, the first thing I would say, don't depend on the co-op office, not to put it that way. They're extremely helpful. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's up to you to go out and interview with potential employers and get yourself hired. Uh, the, maybe the one benefit is, is you're kind of, uh, you're kind of unique by saying you want to do a co-op. So it kind of sets you apart from different candidates. Like for me, I was looking for a co-op starting in January 
you know, 90% of people are looking to start work in the summer. So that kind of helped distinguishes you. But for a co-op, you know, make sure your resume is in check. You should already have some familiarity with career fairs, but you kind of just reach out to the co-op office or attend one of their scheduled orientation meetings, and then they walk it walk you through it from there. And the involvement with the Career Development Center and co-op office is mainly just kind of paperwork. Um, to be frank, in my mind, I was like, if they try to tell me I can't work part-time during school, I'm just going to do it <laughs> and not tell them. Um, not to say I know haven't known people to do that before. You know, they're very helpful and they work with you. That's that's not the case. But, you know, it, it is kind of on your end. They're just going to kind of give you the credit for it on your transcript, if anything, and take that as a bonus. Yeah. And I think that what it goes back to is relying on others completely. You know, it's yeah. like taking um, taking advantage of resources and services is a lot different than sitting back waiting for, you know, somebody to do something for you. Mm-hmm. you know, the co-op gives you an excuse to not go to school for a semester and work. Mm-hmm. If you do that without a co-op, you're kind of technically just a dropout who starts mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. And not the worst situation, obviously, that can be a very good thing. But, you know, for the typical student doing a four-year degree, it it makes a lot of sense to just sign a couple extra papers. You do a couple little assignments during the course of your co-op semester, but believe me, it's not nearly what it takes to do a semester of school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get the credit for it and you still can't count it as a student. Right. And then how much are you paid? Because you're paid not as like a student worker, correct? No. And, you know, that's where it comes back to your you know, major and the employer that you get hired with. Uh, that's my compensation is completely determined by Oracle right now. And uh, the co-op office is somewhat aware of kind of my financial situation. I think you tell them how much you'll make hourly. But other than that, it's those W-2s and all that comes from the employer and it's just you and them. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing is that you are paid a respectable amount that will cover the living expenses for that semester because on a co-op you actually don't receive financial aid is that correct um no you know and uh the co-op program does cost i think like 400 500 a semester for a full-time co-op and you really don't i i could argue other where that money goes but that's the different conversation, you really don't have to think about it because most co-ops, most full-time opportunities are going to far exceed that amount. Mm-hmm. And you'll definitely be having some change to spare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so you don't have to worry about covering your living expenses during that semester. No, but I, I did co-op during the summer as part of my six-month rotation and took a couple summer classes and I did receive financial aid for both of those courses. So that was never an issue for me, even with having the full-time job. Well, that's nice to know, too, that you can take a part-time load while doing the co-op, like in the summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one online class, a GEP class while working full-time was plenty for me, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the summer when you're kind of trying to enjoy yourself. But... Just be cautious of that. 
depending on how it really depends how it is at your work situation. I, you know, over the summer I was, they gave me, they said, Hey, you can work overtime because another co-op left. And my answer was, what's the max? So (laughs) again, this is what makes Wade extraordinaire is that he doesn't stop. But the, the piece of that is, is not turning down opportunities. And how do you think that um, has distinguished you among other student workers, other co-ops within that company? Like how have your supervisors responded to you that basically you're not saying no to them? Yeah, I think it uh, it maybe says something to them. But uh, one of the things I've appreciated most with my work experience is the full-fledged reality of it. Um, you know, it's very comfortable working situation for me, but I enjoy the level of responsibility that they give me and kind of how they definitely treat me as an adult. Um, so for me to take that kind of full time isn't like a, wow, that's great. Pat on the back. It's like, ah, that's expected. You know, you're, mm-hmm. we're giving you the chance to make more money. You're kind of, it'd be weird if you didn't take it. Right. And, right. but a lot of, there was a couple of other students I knew who kind of didn't take the, uh, didn't necessarily work the full amount over time. And that didn't infringe upon how the managers perceived them. But, you know, maybe there's a difference. I just couldn't see it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, um, well, it's probably just a kind of a natural human thing. You know, you gravitate to the, you always are going to ask the people who say yes more than you're going to gravitate to the people who say no. Mm-hmm. You know, perhaps, perhaps. Um, So then from the co-op, how have you gone about like networking, creating a like a professional community? Um, Because that's another piece that is critical, but it also is a struggle. Like, how do you build relationships in the workplace that those relationships sustain you like not working there for a semester or taking on another job? How do you continually use the people that you work with to your professional benefit? It it takes work. It, It really does. It is a whole separate homework assignment to pay attention to relationships. And at Oracle, I, I knew I regretted not doing this as much as I did at my first internship. But at Oracle, I uh, reached out to one of the managers who was most uh, associated with kind of all of us co-ops, a manager in their own domain, but also kind of the co-op manager, and asked to have a 30-minute conversation about their role and their kind of leadership perspectives. And you know, I started with her specifically because... You know, being closer to the co-ops, I was much more comfortable, but I also used the conversation as a as a stepping stone, like, hey, can you help me continue to have these types of conversations with other managers at this company who are not as involved with co-ops? And from that, I was able to have, you know, 30 minute conversations with, you know, the senior director of our department, uh, one of the vice presidents of the product life cycle. Um, you know, at some points I had some full-time employees say, what are you going to do? And I had a quick meeting with Devesh and you're like, Devesh, wow. And, you know, it's all kind of luck sometimes, you know, the 
the biggest guy I got to talk with, I got introduced to him because another co-op happened to be neighbors with him. And the difference maker was when that co-op had to leave, you know, I went out on my own and reached out to that same person again. You know, even though your neighbor's not here, could we still have a conversation? And they're always very, very open to do so. Um, you have to be mindful of their busy schedules. You know, if you don't get a response immediately, uh, coming from him himself, he said, be persistent in asking and understand. Because that's the thing is, one, it shows your commitment, like that you really want um their advice but then also it's like yeah knowing you're not my first priority so kind of the the persistence you know puts you up on the list you know reminds them yeah you know that you're not stalking there's a difference with regard to (laughs) you know professional networking and stalking the rules are different you know kind of like with professional networking they want you to reach out to them continuously they want you to ask questions they want you you know to be involved and do things that you're not asked you know volunteer with them or whatnot and the the last thing i'll say about that is really important when you have these conversations as soon as you get done with it of course you're going to send a follow-up to them and thank them for their time hopefully meet again But to yourself, sit down as soon after the conversation as possible and write down on a piece of paper or type it somewhere all of the takeaways that you got from that conversation. And so I have, you know, for the five conversations I had at Oracle, I have five pieces of paper with bullet points on what I got out, like advice they had given me. And that's something I will look back and read over from time to time. And remind myself and that is extremely helpful now how do you overcome you know like the nervousness of just contacting these people it's like almost like cold call and kind of overcoming any um hesitation or embarrassment of rejection or fear of rejection yeah any of those things how did you overcome that so i think there's something else You know, there's something important with networking like this and reaching out to mentors that I think will prevent having those types of feelings. You know, regardless if you're nervous or not, what you have to do is you need to be prepared and have an objective for the conversation. Um, I wish I could pull up some of the emails so I could read them off the like verbatim, but, you know, very much want to say, hey, could we spend 30 minutes together. You're not going to want to take too much time uh, at this time or whenever you're available to talk about this and that or this, this and this. You know, it's not to set up an itinerary per se, but you should definitely have some type of directed summary of what it is you want to talk about. And having that goal or objective will help guide the conversation it will help make the mentor or the person you're speaking with not will help them feel like there's purpose to the conversation. You know, you don't want to just go reach out to someone and say, Hey, can we talk for 30 minutes and then get in the room and say, uh, so how was college for you? What'd you do after college? You know, those may be questions you want to ask, but you want to be prepared beforehand. And it's 
probably a good idea to write some things down and take it in with you. Mm -hmm. They'll they'll see that as a good thing. So you always have a prepared list of questions or topics that you want to cover? Yep. Every one of those conversations, I walked in with a little notepad and a pen. And I've done a few kind of networking conversations with people before where I've gone as far to outline exact questions and leave space for answers. And I tried to write the answer down every time. I don't recommend that. That's way too much of an interview. Yeah. (laughs) But it is a good idea to maybe kind of jot some keywords that might help you remember later as they're speaking. And then also, you know, general ideas or questions that you want to ask or get across, write those down beforehand. And yeah, looking down at your notepad to remind yourself isn't seen as a bad thing, especially in a casual conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, how did you figure out what questions to ask? Like, how did, you know, with, because sometimes I'll work with students and they're like, well, I don't know what to ask. You know, like what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Yeah, it it certainly, or what, um, you know, what questions lead to the most beneficial information. This is working out wonderful because you, you ask a question and then I feel like the answer to it is another staple of what should be done in networking. And so, of course, being prepared also encompasses researching that individual. Uh, my mindset is I would never want to ask someone in person a question that I can find the answer to online. Uh, it's a waste of time. Again, that's not stalking. That's research. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and 90 percent of it comes from LinkedIn. Depending mm-hmm. on your hackability or your mm-hmm. hacking skills, you might have to use ethics to determine what is and what isn't right. I but no, for the most part, if I go on Spoken Google... Spoken from a computer science person. I'm actually not the most hacker involved. Oh, okay. not, definitely not a hacktivist. That's that's a different topic I yeah. could get uh, passionate about. Okay. But yeah, it, you know, looking up their LinkedIn is, is really all I mean. Uh, finding out... You don't want to ask them where they went to college or what they got a degree in because I guarantee you can find that within seconds. But... Use you should use that information to create your questions, you know, so you're not only not only are you not creating redundant questions or things that could already be found online, but you can use their experiences to build off of like, wow, you you went to NC State too. what was your favorite thing about it or you were in this club, what kind of experiences did you have, et cetera, et cetera. But the other piece of it, too, is. Um, I think it's important for students to know is that there's a difference between LinkedIn and other social media. So you're not going to necessarily want a friend request a supervisor in the workplace, but you can definitely follow them on LinkedIn. Yes. That's, I, I'm not you know, as totally big on different. Facebook, so that wouldn't have been my go-to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, for the most part, keep it keep it to LinkedIn. The only reason that's a little open-ended is because depending on the individual you're speaking with, they could have their own blog, own website, or maybe you even want to just look up the company that they're working at. Yeah, exactly. And so that's the other piece with like the next step, I think, with a co-op is that you're getting a, you know, receiving a full-time salary and you had talked about, you know, saving up money, basically like an emergency fund. Um, So in case of a major emergency that you have the cash available. So, you know, you don't go into crisis necessarily. And you have 
spoken before with our students about financial management and financial investing. So if you want to talk a little bit about that, like how you've managed your money to save for emergencies, because most of our students, you know, they don't have, you know, it's like, how do I have an emergency fund when I'm just barely, you know, making it month to month? Yeah. And, you know, kind of some of the things we talked about in uh, those trio financial discussions was, you know, these are things you want to keep on the forefront of your mind, but it's okay if they're not completely applicable to you right now. You know, sometimes I understood what it was like to be working just 10 hours on campus and using that to get by and certainly wasn't saving as much as I could have. Um, By all means, it's a lot easier to kind of financially deal or it's a lot easier to work with your finances when you're making a lot more than you need. And that's just because I'm living a college lifestyle, working kind of a full-time job, but that situation doesn't have to change. Uh, And all I mean to say is, is live below your means, you know, and I certainly could be living in a nicer apartment. I choose not to. I chose not to for the next year I'm here. And doesn't mean I'm living in a bad apartment. I love where I live, but it's just consciously deciding to choose lesser expensive things. You know, you don't need a brand new car, so you have to pay a $200 car bill every month. You know, that's cutting into your salary. So it's just as you start to make more money, don't pick up more expensive habits as you do so. You know, if you can maintain this college lifestyle of, you know, eating kind of cheap, not eating out too much, not living in a marble top, beautiful apartment in downtown, then once you start to make money, you'll find it is extremely easy to to balance all your needs and then kind of have fun with it. Because do you think like when thinking about your friends um, or even just personal experiences with family, et cetera, of do you think it's kind of like an impulse control or people want to treat themselves, you know, because there's times that you want to do something with, you know, what you've worked hard for, you know, where I hear a lot is like, well, I deserve it. Yeah. You know, do you ever hear anything like that or I mean, the justification people make for not? living below their means? So when it comes to anything big, it's easy for me to to cut costs. Like if I want to buy myself a new desk like I did for this school year, I wanted to do that last March and just kind of thought, I don't need it right now. It is something I'll never really need, need, but I do want it and it would help me in my life. I do kind of deserve it. Mm-hmm. So it was just waiting from March until when actually school started giving me my, myself that time to save up some money, even if I had the money to do it in March. And what gets me is it's a lot harder to be so cost conscious when it comes to like eating out. They're not as big of expenses. So I think that's where it, a budget comes into play and just being aware of how much it is. You know, the $5 or $10 you spend on Tuesday might not be convincing enough, but the $150 you spent over the course of a week, maybe. Mm-hmm. So being aware, but also just, you know, yes, you may deserve something, but really ask yourself, do you need it? And do you need it now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even, um, cause you talk about is like the worth of money, you know, you say is like a dollar bill is a dollar bill. However, that 
you know, $10 spent on eating out that you probably won't remember and putting away, you know, $10 every week toward, you know, paying for a plane ticket for study abroad, you know, or putting money towards, um, I'm trying to think of something else, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like not spending $10 isn't just spending $10. There's an investment versus, um, something that, you know, you're not really going to even remember. Yeah. And, you know, personally, I, at this point, I don't necessarily save my money so that I can buy things with it aside from investment options. You know, I'm certainly not literate, but I've, uh, like John O'Leary from Shark Tank, he said, he's like, religiously save every dollar you have so you can invest it. And I think that's especially true for those of us who are, are really young, because this is kind of the time to take more risk and the time we can really leverage those benefits by starting early. But it, it really doesn't matter what it is. You know, the, the desk for me, I saw as a huge improvement to my efficiency as a student. Instead of going to the library all the time as an off-campus student, you know, I could wake up, work at my nice stand-up desk, have enough space to do everything and be just as productive. And then I close my laptop, go to bed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that cuts out 30 minutes per trip to the library. So, Well, it's where you spend mo- like most of your time, per se, and it's where you do some of your most important work. Yeah. And for some people, they got to get out of the room. By all means, I do, too. And, but in general, it's you really evaluate your values and what you think is valuable. Because I think it's easy to just quickly say, oh, of course I want a cheeseburger. It's a cheeseburger. It's delicious. But if you really thought on it and said, how much do you value the $10 going into this cheeseburger? Or do you value something more that you could use that money for the next day? Those kind of extra thoughts will maybe help you make better decisions. And sometimes the cheeseburger is worth it. So go for it. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Well, I think a lot of people, too, have regret with money. I mean, money is very emotional, too. And so I think it's important so that money, like spending money doesn't stress you out or there's a negative, you know, even personal repercussion. Yeah, I have like a weird perspective kind of on that. And it's, you know, I'm used to having zero dollars and not just like in my bank account, my account, all the accounts in my family are linked. Again, not so great with the administrative stuff, but I can see everything on my mom's bank account and I can see how low it is. So when she says, no, there's no money for McDonald's, I can believe that. Um, And so just being comfortable with living everyday life, doing what you do, knowing that there's really no money around to spend, you know, that kind of comfort really helps me when I do have money. You know, sometimes it can translate into me spending money. Um, but most of the time, it's just, I'm used to not having to spend this much money, so why would I start now? Right, 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 right. So we have a couple of minutes left, um, 10 or so minutes. Do you want to cover kind of your top three, like, advice, financial advice nuggets, you know, or top five things you think a student should, um, like an undergraduate student should start considering or start thinking about with regard to finances? Yeah. Uh, yeah, (laughs) trying to make sure I have some good ones, but no, uh, the, the first one would definitely be kind of work on yourself, you know, and 
I mentioned in one of our trio presentations that protecting your greatest asset means to protect your own worth, your own skills and abilities. So getting good grades at school, working part time, especially in a job that is going to contribute to your resume is is probably the most important thing towards your financial success, because at the end of the day, that's where most of your income is going to come from. Uh, but secondly, once you're kind of making that money, just be aware, you know, and that's aware of a lot of different things. You should be aware of the market to some degree, because I fully believe you should invest as soon as you can, as soon as you can, meaning you have plenty of money for the emergency funds. But, you know, so that's made a difference for me already and a pretty big one in the last year. Part of that has been me being kind of risky and silly with it. But in general, being aware of kind of all these different financial assets and opportunities around you will help you kind of move towards an adult financial lifestyle, if yeah. that's what you want to call it. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, is there anything else you want to share, Wade? Is there something that like you wish you had known as a first year student? You wish somebody had told you or do you, is there advice you wish you had taken? I mean, I, I came into college having already done a bunch of stupid stuff, probably more than a lot of kids have done even still. Um, so I came into college thinking now it's time to work. I got to focus. This isn't about partying. It's about getting a good degree and not to say I haven't swayed off that road a little bit along the way, but just keeping that working mentality, you know, work comes first, but you should also enjoy your work. Um, it's kind of comforting at this point to think, Ah, I have nothing to do Saturday. I can just sit in the library and comfortably work on my stuff, you know, and that's kind of a change over the past couple of years is seeing that as relaxing. But yeah, <laughs> yeah it, I don't know. Maybe I give a, I could do a couple tries at this of anything, but it's kind of hard mm -hmm. to describe how stay motivated, stay working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because that's the thing is like sitting in the library on a Saturday, you're investing in yourself like that five hours is going to translate into, you know, a $60,000 starting salary an $80,000 starting salary, depending on your major. Yeah. I mean, so thinking of it is not like, oh, I'm, you know, losing five hours of fun. It's I'm putting five, you know, hours into you know, myself, that's going to end up where I'm going to be, you know, making more money in a year than my entire family makes, you know, yeah, <laughs> over the past, you know, five years for some students, for sure. Yeah. No, know what your values are. Uh, I encourage you to write them down, try to keep it within five and those in order will be your primary focuses. So, when a conflict comes up and you have to choose between one that aligns with one value over another, you've already determined which what the decision is. And that, that kind of helps you move forward because you're inevitably going to be given more work and more opportunities to do things. And you get to a point where you have to start saying no and that the things I value most won't get done if I try to do everything. Excellent. Thank you so much, Wade. You actually ended up staying here for a little bit more than an hour, so I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Get, I'm, out, I'm out of work right now, so it's, I can appreciate it. <laughs> okay. 
And then you're going to be running back to RTP after we're done. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Wade. I appreciate it. Thank you. TRIO Student Support Services Program and Student Support Services STEM are federally funded college retention and completion programs. These programs focus on academic, personal, and career support for under-resourced undergraduate students. At TRIO SSS and SSS STEM, our goal is helping our students reach their goals. We are currently accepting new students to our program. Apply today. Go to www.ncsu.edu to learn more about Student Support Services at NC State.